Everyone, welcome into the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I'm Bobby Sylvester, joined as always by Mike Tagliere. You can follow us on Twitter at Bobby Fantasy Pro and at Mike Tagliere NFL. Please join me in thanking one of the sponsors of the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast, Grammarly. Grammarly is a communication tool that helps people improve their writing to be mistake-free, clear, and effective. Start writing confidently by going to Grammarly.com slash Fantasy Pros to get 20% off a Grammarly premium account today. Tags, I had one of my top 10 food days of all time. Listen to this baby, all right? <laughs> Woke up, had leftover ribeye steak for breakfast, and then I got buffalo wings for lunch. I went to the pizza buffet for dinner, and you guessed it, last pomegranate of the season. I was feeling great, but then I did my taxes last night, and it all came crashing down, dude. That sounds like an awful night for me. That would not be my dream evening. You don't like pizza buffets? I like pizza buffets. I'm not steak is it's just too expensive for what it is for me is all I think uh, that's the sure. I think that's the best way I could put it. Okay, I, I understand what you're saying. I think we can both agree taxes suck. And here's our episode. today, okay, guys, <laughs> We're going to be doing top 22 facts and takeaways from the 2019 fantasy football season. And I'm going to start us off. The number one fact for the fantasy football season is that we went out and hired two awesome guys. You already know Dan Harris because he hosted the Sunday Night Recap Podcast with Tags. We went out and got Kyle Yates. He's been on here before as well. He was riding for the fantasy footballers. You can follow him on Twitter at KyleYNFL. Please do it, by the way. You guys are absolutely going to love his content. He's doing a ton of NFL draft stuff, just grinding out. And we've got him on the podcast today. Kyle, we're so excited to have you on the team, man. Hey, thanks. It is so good to finally be sitting down for a podcast. I've been kind of behind the scenes for a couple of weeks here now as part of the Fantasy Pros team. So finally getting to be on the podcast, it's starting to feel real for sure. Yeah, absolutely, dude. I'm, it's four years later. I'm still pinching myself. This job is awesome. And it's just a really good team to work with, dude. Um, we're really excited to have you. You're going to be a great fit. Whenever you come on the podcast, we always have a lot of fun. And I do plan on whooping you in the mock draft. So I'm looking forward to that, too. Uh, no comment. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, right before Kyle went on vacation like a week ago, he just threw a bomb at me. I don't remember if it was on Twitter or what, but saying that he was going to whoop me in the mock drafts. Come on, you guys listening and all know better. Bobby helped create the software, didn't you know? <laughs> He's still probably going to do really well, dude. <laughs> Talking to Kyle, he's a really he seems like a really competitive dude and obviously knows his stuff, so... I mean, Tags, you'll probably just be finishing in third. And, and when Dan's on the podcast, fourth place every time, right? Wow. Real nice, Bobby. Real nice. <laughs> okay. So let's get into it, guys. We got our top 22 facts and takeaways. We're going to do this in a kind of a roundtable fashion. And I'm not going to interject as much in the way of facts and takeaways because you guys prepared so many. And I want you guys to be able to get all of yours out there. And we all know I'm going to talk a ton anyway. So why don't you start first, Tags? <laughs> All right, number one. I'm going to start with the, for the first one in the article. Actually, this is number two. Number one is we hired Kyle Yates, which is awesome. Well, obviously. But uh, no, it basically, this this article is on the site. It's 175 stats that I kind of took away from uh, the 2019 season. And the reason I like this article so much is because a lot of people have reached out and saying, can you put like context to each stat, what it means? I like, I, it's almost like song lyrics, right? People can take song lyrics in different ways. They can have different takeaways and it can mean different things. So I like the discussion that we have in regards to some of these stats and, and we'll have those today. But uh, number one I put on the list is because it's something that we feel the need to drive home every single year because every year someone says it's different, but it's not. Uh, Lamar Jackson threw a touchdown on 9% of his passes in 2019, which is the fourth highest mark of all time. The list of quarterbacks who have posted 8.5% touchdown rate or above along with their rate the following season, every single quarterback 
dropped at least 1.9% with most of them almost cutting it in half. So it's like people wanted to talk about with Patrick Mahomes last year. He had 8.6% touchdown rate in 2018. This year it went down to 5.4. We didn't see him finish with nearly as amount as lure, you know, as, uh, you know, he just won the Super Bowl, but we didn't see him finish where people are going to talk about taking him in the first round. Lamar Jackson is going to have regression. Do we think that he's going to have the, the same amount of success with his legs that he had this year? That can be debated, but one thing is for sure, he's going to regress. Well, I'll add this as well. Carson Wentz in 2018, 7.5. Everyone was like, oh, Carson Wentz is the top three fantasy quarterback. Did that happen? Absolutely not. You can go back to Derek Carr. Blake Bortles was a top three fantasy quarterback. And everyone knew the Blake Bortles one was kind of a fluke, but people were drafting Derek Carr in like, the number four, number five fantasy quarterback. Matt Ryan went from MVP to uh, not so much an afterthought, but like a borderline top five quarterback. You're right, Tags. This does happen every year, but I will argue with you about this one. And I've already thrown this out there. Okay, Lamar Jackson's not going to get 9%. Let's say he gets 5.5%. Okay, that seems to be about where the very good quarterbacks are these days. Maybe 6% if you're someone like Aaron Rodgers in his prime. But if he drops those 10 touchdowns, how many of those turn into rushing touchdowns for him, Tags? And those rushing touchdowns are worth two extra fantasy points. Uh, yeah, and that's the thing is Mark Ingram scored more touchdowns than I think any of us expected too. So uh, you can make that argument for sure. And, and maybe Baltimore just doesn't score 28 points a game or whatever. That's true as well. Yeah, there's a lot of factors that go into it. And I still believe that Lamar Jackson, the rushing, is more valuable than his passing. But this comes down to about people expecting his passing to continue to get better. And it's not to say that he can't get better as a passer. He's going to continue to grow into that. There's no way he's more efficient or even as efficient as he was this year. There's no way. It just historically, there's no precedent for it. So Yates, where are you at in Lamar Jackson? We've had this conversation in the podcast. Some people say that they won't take a quarterback in the first three rounds. That's their rule. I think that Lamar Jackson would be fine if you wanted to take him at like the the top of the second round, I think, is where I think I'd feel comfortable. Top of the second. I think I would. I don't think you have to in industry leagues, but I'm saying that if, if you wanted to draft him there, I wouldn't fault you. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting conversation, and I think for him at the top of the second round, it's a little rich for me. I might be more towards like the top of the third, but I do agree that he does belong in that in that range and the the point that you made up or that you brought up here where the nine percent yeah that's an astronomical ridiculous number he's going to drop back down but the thing to keep in consideration here is that who was Lamar Jackson throwing to this year he had Marquise Hollywood Brown injured for half the year he had he was throwing regularly to guys like Willie Sneed and Chris Moore and Seth Roberts right Seth Roberts you have your like you have your tight ends as a main focal point of that offense and now you go into the draft and free agency this year, what free agent wide receiver isn't going to want to join Baltimore? Are they going to spend a, a wide receiver pick in the top two rounds? So we could see increased weapons, you know, as far as like the, the talent there in Baltimore next year too, which could help. Tags, what free agent wide receivers are out there that you think would be a good fit or who would you like to see them go get in the first round of the draft? Oh, I haven't done my free agent piece yet um, to go through that. I started marking up the, so I have all the, my depth charts mocked up and like, like basically showing who's the free agents, but I haven't like gone through and tried to figure out landing spots just yet. Like Amari Cooper, he's probably staying in Dallas. AJ Green, obviously either of those guys would be great fits. I don't know. I don't know if they could afford both Amari and Dak. That seems like it's unlikely that they can do that. If Amari's out there, he's going to get so much money on the open market. I just don't know if uh, Baltimore, after you know investing in receivers like Marquise Brown and Miles Boykin, if they're going to want to go out there and pay someone like that. Um, but in a position to win now, 
I mean, that team is built to win right now. So, I mean, I wouldn't fault them for doing it. A.J. Green is someone to keep an eye on to see if... What about Brashad Perryman? He was so good at the end of the year. And he actually, it wasn't just because of the volume with Jameis Winston. He actually looked good. Perryman's already been with the Ravens. We've already seen that. Yeah, Perryman making a return to the Ravens. Yeah, he's not coming back. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's probably right. Emmanuel Sanders is out there. Randall Cobb. It's not great. But as we know, this wide receiver draft class is great. Now, Kyle, I know you're deep into these wide receivers. Obviously, we're not getting... Uh, you know, Jerry, Judy, or C.D. Lamb there. Could we see T. Higgins drop to Baltimore in the first round? And do you think they might pull the trigger? I mean, this is like the one weak spot on their team. Yeah, T. Higgins is a great name to keep in mind when we're talking about Baltimore specifically because he he kind of plays this backyard football kind of kind of game. At least he did in 2018. His 2019 tape was a little bit more well-rounded. It's just now a question of does he get past the Bills at 22, I think, the Bills select. So uh, T. Higgins there, I'm not super sure about. A guy who I would keep an eye on for Baltimore at 28 would be LaVisca Chenault. Chanel is kind of this all around, you know, just kind of Swiss army knife. He's a bully too, man. He's huge. He is. He's huge. And so now, but he, he's a really well-rounded receiver. So now you kind of put him into this offense and give another weapon to Greg Roman. Okay. What are they going to do now? Well, plus he can block too. I mean, that's a perfect fit for Baltimore. I wouldn't be surprised if they trade up to get him. Absolutely. All right, guys. Um, okay. So actually, you know what? I don't quite want to move on yet because this is a very important conversation piece so Lamar Jackson you said early third round I've got him kind of in I would take him in the middle if everyone ahead of him was taken but I'm more looking at the end of the second round would you take him Kyle over Amari Cooper Josh Jacobs Miles Sanders all three of those names any of those three I would definitely take him over Miles Sanders and Amari Cooper now the interesting name there is Josh Jacobs and that depends on what I did with my first round pick but I the advantage that Lamar Jackson gave you in leagues this year was super crucial. And so I think to to get that kind of leg up, now you're investing heavily in a, you know, and this is in the conversation of a one quarterback league, you're investing heavily in that position. And that's kind of the counter argument with taking a quarterback early, no matter who they are, is that if they get injured or if something happens to them, then you're kind of, you know, up a creek without a paddle. <laughs> you know, you're kind of sitting there with, okay, well, now I invested so heavily in this position that now I'm sacrificing depth at other positions uh, that are playing multiple, you know, two running backs, two wide receivers, flexes, all that. What about Austin Eckler, Kenyon Drake? Those are interesting names. Eckler, if Gordon's gone, by the way. Yeah, that that's the, that's the part that I was just about to say. Those are interesting names because we don't know what going to happen with them is Kenyon Drake staying in Arizona is he you know going to sign somewhere else on the open market is Austin Eckler going to be stuck behind Melvin Gordon again this year those are interesting names so I would take Lamar Jackson right now not knowing what's going to happen with them and tags I'm going to give you a handful of names as well okay both the tight ends George Kittle Travis Kelsey both of the Tampa Bay wide receivers Chris Godwin Mike Evans and then Tyreek Hill would you take Lamar Jackson over all of them that's right in the conversation. Those guys are all like early second round picks to me. Kyle made the best point. It, it, understanding who you're drafting with, how many positions you have to fill. If it's just two running backs, two wide receivers, one flex, I would take Lamar Jackson because it's a lot easier to find those players. But if you're in a league, let's pretend that you get a running back in the first round and then you come back around, but your league goes so heavy. Like if there's two workhorse running backs that I can get, uh, and you know, even at the top of the second round, I'll take the two workhorse running backs. But I believe in most smart leagues, you're going to see those running backs fly off the board. You're not going to get a 
300 touch running back in the second round most of the most of the time like someone that's locked into those touches so it that that's the case where it's like Josh Jacobs is someone that you talked about are they going to use him more in the passing game is he going to get those 300 touches I'm curious to see what they do because they do have DeAndre Washington hitting free agency I want to say that Jalen Richard is also a free agent and do they bring in someone else do they want him in a timeshare I can't answer that right now but I think that that's basically the conversation where it goes because it's either you're going to find yourself a, a league winner like Lamar Jackson. He's someone that helps you win fantasy titles. He does. Or someone like we talked to, you talked about Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper is uh, is up and down, right? He's not. I don't think that he's the reason that you're going to win a fantasy championship. He might have a, a week that just coincides with, you know, in week 16 that kind of goes off. But he's not Michael Thomas. You know what I mean? Where Lamar Jackson... It's just so stable, and I understand the, the the replacement level that you can get at the quarterback position, but it's not just a quarterback anymore. We have to view Lamar Jackson as different with the way that he's running the ball. All right, Kyle, let's go to you for your first takeaway. This is number three facts and takeaway. Yeah, the one that I wanted to, to point out first here is that Joe Mixon is really, really good. Yes. <laughs> From weeks five through 17, Joe Mixon was the RB5 in half-point scoring. And so we have the kind of this perception or taste in our mouth of Joe Mixon from 2019. And it is not that he was the RB five in half point scoring. Uh, he put up that fantasy finish while only scoring five times on the ground in 2019. And they hardly used him through the air. Like if they start using him through the air, how good could he be? Which he has the ability to do. And so while he wasn't exactly the most consistent throughout that time, he showed what he's capable of for next year. And so looking back at last year at 2019 and then looking forward to 2020, we can now say, okay, the Bengals are going to have some some players back on their offensive line. They are in most likely going to be drafting Joe Burrow at the 101. And so now you add in that that quarterback. And you get A.J. Green back. John Ross is is not injured. Exactly. They're, they're a really good offense. They really don't have a ton of holes. They can fill a couple places on the offensive line. But for the most part, they're set. And so you add in a top-tier quarterback, and now you have – more and more scoring opportunities for Joe Mixon. And so he did this all last year with a terrible offensive line and a terrible offense. Now looking forward to next year, what's the ceiling for Joe Mixon? Tags, you remember when Todd Gurley was the least inefficient running back in fantasy football because his offensive line was just so bad. And then the next year, the Rams had a top three offensive line in football. These things can turn around in a hurry. If they go out and they sign an offensive lineman, they draft one at the top of the second round, just how high is Joe Mixon ceiling? I mean, I, I like Mixon already, and I would only like him more, obviously. I, I have him ranked as a first-round pick right now. He's someone that I'd feel confident because he's someone that's going to get 300 touches. This is going to be a much better offense, as Kyle was talking about. They had a lot of offensive line injuries this year. It wasn't just like they don't have any talent because Jonah Williams, they did draft him in the first round this past season. They didn't get him on the field at all because he suffered an injury that required surgery. Cordy Glenn was dealing with injuries for the first half of the season. He only played half of the year. Billy Price has been, uh, I guess, <laughs> injured, inconsistent, bad, whatever. But there was there was injuries to the backups to those guys. Like They were missing so many offensive linemen. And knowing that that offense really struggled the entire year, but Mixon was able to kind of work through it and still produce is an RB1, especially down the stretch, as Kyle mentioned. I like Mixon quite a bit because this offense is a team that I expect to take a big step forward. It's almost like a Rams type step where you talked about Todd Gurley and how he went from a guy that was, you know, a volume high end RB2 to the number one running back in fantasy football. That could happen because Zach Taylor, he wasn't dealt a fair hand last year, not only with that offensive line, but dealing with AJ Green missing the entire season. John Ross, who apparently is a big part of this offense, maybe playing that Brandon Cooks role. 
uh, out, but Joe Burrow is NFL ready too. So all of this factors into where this Bengals team, I mean, and you have this Jameis Winston factor too, where the defense is so bad that it's going to take more than one offseason to fix it. And they're going to allow a lot of points. Therefore, it's going to lead to a lot more pass attempts. And when you see those pass attempts, you're going to see Mixon involved in the passing game. There's just a lot to like about him. So yeah, he's a middle to late first round pick for me. So you taking him over Aaron Jones, Alvin Kamara? I would take him over Aaron Jones because Jones is a guy that's not locked into 300 t- touches. Uh, Kamara, I'm still going to take Kamara because Kamara's proven time and time again. You just See, I've got Jones number one. I've got Kamara number two and Mixon number three. Uh, Kyle, how would you have those three guys ranked? Jones, Kamara, and Mixon. I would have Mixon, Kamara, Jones. Yeah, I have Kamara over Mixon, but it's, it's close. Would you take Mixon over your number two wide receiver tags? And who is your number two wide receiver? My number two receiver is uh, Devontae Adams. And yes, I would take Mixon over him. Just And, and it's not because he's a, he's a better player or anything like that. I like Devontae Adams an awful lot, but it all comes down to positional replacement. You cannot find a Joe Mixon in the second round. Yep, I think that's fair. I've got Mixon at number 10, just ahead of Devontae Adams. Um, we're all in agreement. Joe Mixon is a great buy next year. And I'm betting his ADP is going to be in the middle of the second round. So we're probably all going to end up with a lot of shares of Joe Mixon. All right, we're going to move on to the next one here in just a second. But first, I want to remind you all about our friends at Pristine Auction. You guys are going to love what you find at Pristine Auction because there's so many items auctioned off every single day that you're guaranteed to find some great values. And everything's guaranteed authentic from only the most trusted sources. When you go to Pristine Auction, sign up. It's free to do it. And enter the registration code FANTASYPROS, all one word. That's going to get you $5 off. And it's going to tell them we're sending people their way. That way we can keep doing the contests like the ones we've had going on lately. We just gave away a full-sized Michael Thomas Saints helmet. I just want to give you guys an idea, okay? So I saw a signed Juju Smith-Schuster full-sized helmet, $150 on Pristine Auction. If you want to spend a little bit less than that, a signed Alvin Kamara football, $50. If you want to spend even less than that, I saw a Lawrence Taylor signed jersey, $35. If you look hard enough, you're guaranteed to be able to find some values that you will love for your cave. Again, that's pristineauction.com, P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E, auction.com. Tags, you're next. Why don't we go to you for takeaway or fact number four? I'm going to pick this one because this one has developed, has had a lot, a lot of conversation around it because it's being taken both different ways. So I'm going to ask you guys your what your take is when I say it. Uh, this one was number 31 on the list. Among 157 wide receivers with at least 100 targets over the last five years, that's a big sample size, 157 wide receivers, Curtis Samuel's 0.96 yards per route run in 2019 was the absolute worst. I have a big opinion on this one. So Kyle, I'm going to let you go first and then I'm going to uh, take the bad boy home against tags. Yeah, Curtis Samuel is an interesting name because it's so hard to get a gauge on who he is as a player. Like there was a lot of hype on him coming into the NFL and then he has not lived up to it. And then, but then you're also like with that stat, you're also looking at, okay, who was the quarterback that he was, that was throwing to him this year? You know? So that's, that's my take. It's so hard to kind of gauge who he is because there are so many external factors. It's so frustrating too, because they just didn't use him the right way. Like you watch him on tape. He's so good tags. Like I'm not saying he's as good as DJ Moore, but it is really, really close. DJ Moore benefited so much from Kyle Allen being the quarterback, right? Because he just sat down into the holes and, and Curtis Samuel's more of this, you know, deep play threat. He can take the ball to the house. They didn't rush the ball with him as much as they probably should. And we saw what the 49ers did with Debo Samuel. 
Curtis Samuel's the same type of guy. Now, he's not as big as Debo Samuel. Debo's just kind of a freak of nature in that way. But you can give handoffs to Curtis Samuel. A lot of people thought he was going to be a running back coming out of college. The guy just needs the ball in his hands. He's so talented, man. I believe he's a gadget player. But here's the thing. That's 157 wide receivers. That's a big sample size. And a lot of those guys had bad quarterbacks. So Kyle Allen, was he a bad quarterback? Sure. But DJ Moore was able to perform. Curtis Samuel, he didn't perform with Cam Newton. He didn't perform with Kyle Allen. He just hasn't performed. And that's the bottom line where so many people are are finding this an opportunity to buy low. Can we stop pretending that Cam Newton is an elite quarterback in terms of like his passing ability that he's going to generate multiple top 20 wide receivers? It's not going to happen. It was either Kelvin Benjamin or Devin Funches or DJ Moore. It's one receiver. It's DJ Moore. Now, there, there is a new offense coming to town, and that can change things. They need to utilize Curtis Samuel to his strengths. Do I think that he's a guy that deserves 100 targets a year? I do not. Uh, but now with Greg Olson leaving the team, Ian Thomas stepping into the role, is he used nearly as much as Olson was? Um, can Cam Newton develop a relationship? Because it seems like the Panthers are going to go back to him. But... You know, it's like Julio Jones. Every single year we see him and Michael Thomas, for that matter, atop the wide receivers for yards per route run. It doesn't even matter who their quarterback is. These guys are the elite of the elite. You never see someone this low in the yards per route run that is elite. So I don't think Curtis Samuel's ever going to be elite. I think that he's he could be better than he was. Absolutely. I'm not saying he won't. I'm not saying he can't be a, a, a decent fantasy player. But if you find if you're in a dynasty league where you find people that think it's an opportunity to buy low on him, they're still going to pay for him. And I'd be willing to sell. I'll pay for him. If you got Curtis Samuel, you trade him to me. Because listen to this. Tags, you said he didn't perform with Cam Newton. If he didn't perform with Cam Newton, then what would you call DJ Moore, who finished with 12 fewer fantasy points over the final half of the season when Curtis Samuel joined the starting lineup? Curtis Samuel was better than DJ Moore with Cam Newton. No, DJ Moore was never like a full-time. He wasn't a full-time starter toward, until towards the end of the year. They weren't inserting him in the lineup like all the time. He wasn't that that was the biggest thing with him. And that's that was part of the reason I didn't like love DJ Moore as some did this year, because I didn't know if the the targets were going to be consistent there. Obviously, Curtis Samuel was going to be involved. I thought Greg Olson would be involved. Limited pass attempts because this wasn't going to be a pass first team uh, with Christian McCaffrey. And then McCaffrey obviously himself getting over 100 targets. So it's just going to be difficult. I, I don't see I can't see Curtis Samuel getting into this range again because that the Panthers defense was terrible. The pass attempts were much higher than they wanted them to be. But again, a new offense that can change things a bit, but it just tells me that Curtis Samuel, he's just not elite is what it is. He's never going to get to that elite tier. Curtis Samuel played 250 fewer snaps in 2018 than DJ Moore. DJ Moore was on the field for 70% of the time. Curtis Samuel, 44% of the time. Curtis Samuel was hurt that year. Well, all I'm saying is DJ Moore was on the field for 70% of the time. It's not like he wasn't playing. No, no, no. He, they, they worked him in, but a rookie receiver, again, you don't... Curtis Samuel was essentially a rookie receiver because he was injured the year before. Right, but the rookie receivers, this year's class is going to is gonna be like highly like damage people because people are going to start expecting there to be every year to be a Terry McLaurin, to be a DK Metcalf, to be an A.J. Brown. There were so many good rookie wide receivers this year, Debo Samuel, that... It, it usually doesn't happen like this, right? I mean, we had Calvin Ridley the year before. DJ Moore like came on his, in his sophomore season, but I don't know. I, I don't want to take... Again, DJ Moore, play, he played well this year, and Curtis Samuel didn't. Uh, that's that's my main takeaway. Is he as bad as his .96 yards per route run? Probably not. But is he ever going to be top tier? I don't think so. Just something really interesting, too, that I wanted to add with Curtis Samuel and the buy low argument. The other side of that is that we don't know who the quarterback is going to be next year. Like the Panthers are cleaning house. And so there's a possibility that they could just say, okay, Cam Newton, thank you for your time. We don't think that you're going to be the same player that you were five years ago. And they let him walk. And so then it's, okay, who's the quarterback next year? Are we going to have more of Will Greer? I don't think so. I hope not. Let's say it's Philip Rivers. 
If it's Philip Rivers, is that an upgrade for you? They're not a win now team. I can't see that happening though. I don't think that's an upgrade if it is Philip Rivers. Yeah, I'm looking at Cam Newton in 2018 and you know, his efficiency ratings were better. He finally had an, a 68% completion rate because he was just checking down to, to Christian McCaffrey every single time. We're looking at 7.2 yards per attempt uh, out of Cam Newton. That's really, really bad. That's like Mitch Trubisky territory tags. <laughs> Don't start with Mitch. Oh, sorry. You're you're a, a Bears fan too, Kyle. Kyle, that's like Mitch Trubisky territory. <laughs> well, okay. So can we segue into my next my next takeaway? Yes. Let's do it. Bring it, baby. Okay, well, tags, uh, don't don't be excited for this one. Okay, so Mitchell Trubisky <laughs> finished with the lowest yards per attempt of any qualifying quarterback in the NFL last season. Trubisky finished with a 6.1 yards per attempt and was right below quarterbacks like Mason Rudolph, Jacoby Brissett, and Daniel Jones. Wasn't great. Woo. Not great, Bob. Didn't he just get some kind of surgery? He was playing with an injury all year. Yeah, he had a torn labrum. His shoulder, it was his non-throwing shoulder, though. He had a torn labrum? Yeah, he had surgery on it uh, just the other day. Oh, man. Okay, well, he's also got a hip injury that he's dealing with, apparently. I don't know. Like, the thing is, when somebody actually... Mitch Trubisky looked pretty good in 2018. When a young quarterback looks good and then has a really bad season, it makes me wonder, okay, what was he dealing with? Like, what actually changed here? Um, Part of it was I don't think they used Tariq Cohen in the right way. I, I mean, you guys watched the Bears games a lot closer than I did. Is he just not good? He looked like he could be a good quarterback in 2018. He's inconsistent. I think that's the best way for me to describe it. Is it like a head thing, Kyle? Like, do they not trust him to be himself? Does he just need to be let loose and be Mitch Trubisky? I think that's part of it. I think Trubisky is being tried, like, is being forced into a quarterback that he isn't, which is quickly diagnose the defense and get the ball out quick. And that's not who he is. He's a mobile quarterback. He builds confidence through being on the run. And so, like, play action, he really excels on. But then that's just not the offense. The offense changed last year in Chicago. And so that's part of it. And I just don't think he has it between the between the ears to diagnose a defense that quickly. Yeah, I was impressed with, uh, with Mitch Trubisky in 2018. Like, we all make fun of tags for having him ranked fairly high and saying this could be a breakout guy. Now, to tags credit, he said... Lamar Jackson could be that guy too, but Tags, I was right with you. We, we're both saying Mitch Trubisky or Lamar Jackson, one of these guys is going to take off. Um, it just happened to be the guy that we didn't get as many shares of. <laughs> right. Yeah. He started getting a little bit more pricey. As he, the, I think people started to catch on to Lamar Jackson, whereas Mitch was like a guy that you can get in two quarterback leagues as like the 23rd, 24th quarterback off the board. And it was like with the rushing upside that was there, they didn't use him in that way. As Kyle said, the offense just, it, it looked, in general, just looked like trash. None, none of the receivers did anything after the catch. Anthony Miller was the only wide receiver on that team that averaged more than like 2.8 yards after catch. It was terrible. Anthony Miller is going to be my dude next year. I'm going to draft him everywhere. Uh, let's keep moving on, though, Tags. Um, we're going to go to number six for you. So this is your third one. What is your fact or takeaway here? I, I want to bring this one up because I think that we sometimes forget just how fast things can change in the NFL. Christian McCaffrey's 471.2 PPR points this year were the second most all-time by a running back, falling just 9.9 points short of LaDainian Tomlinson's record in 2006. McCaffrey and David Johnson are the only two running backs to reach 400 PPR points since 2006. And now people are leaving David Johnson for dead, like absolute dead. And it might be right. It just, and it just goes to show, I'm going to back this up with another stat. David Johnson broke, even when he was healthy, broke just 11 tackles on 130 touches this year. One every 11.8 touches. Among running backs with at least 50 touches, only Kalen Balaj and Bo Scarborough were worse. 
Oh, so no. <laughs> basically it just goes to show how fast things can change in the NFL and how fast we kind of have to adapt. Cause you, can you imagine like two years from now people saying, Oh, I want nothing to do with Christian McCaffrey as a top 30 running back. That's where people are at with David Johnson right now. You know, if, if Kenyon Drake, so hold on. Are you saying like we're overlooking David Johnson? Are you saying we should be skeptical about Christian McCaffrey? Cause he just had 403 touches. Well, it's one of those things where we have to understand that things can change really fast. And just because someone did it last year, doesn't mean they're going to do it this year. It's one of those things where I think people forget how good David Johnson actually was um, in 2016, but you know, things again, they do change and we have to adapt how fast, how, Offenses can change, right? Uh, but David Johnson, the parallels between him and like Ronald Jones in Bruce Arians' offense, I'm just saying that I'm going to be high on Ronald Jones again in 2020, and I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. All right, we're going to keep moving here in just a second. But first, thanks to Grammarly for supporting the podcast today. Grammarly is a writing assistant that makes you look and sound smarter, whether it's school, work, or when you're on the go. Grammarly's free version can be downloaded by anyone on their computer and phone and helps review critical spelling and grammar. Grammarly Premium Service gives you more advanced help, looking also at advanced punctuation, structure, style, vocabulary, conciseness, tone, and readability for different occasions. For example, on your resume, when you're doing a business pitch, when you're putting together your final essay or a blog post, there are so many occasions where you can use Grammarly. Honestly, guys, I've been using Grammarly since before I started working for Fantasy Pros, and I seriously think this may have been the difference between even getting me that interview and still working at my boring old IT job because I used to have a really big issue with conciseness, and Grammarly Premium helped me to destroy that issue. So if you want to check out Grammarly Premium, and trust me, you do, go to Grammarly.com slash Fantasy Pros to get 20% off your Grammarly Premium account today. That's Grammarly.com slash Fantasy Pros for 20% off your Grammarly premium account. You know, I'm looking at uh, Derrick Henry all of a sudden as well uh, because Christian McCaffrey had a ton of touches. We know Derrick Henry did when you include the playoffs as well. And both of these guys concern me from a, are they going to fall apart? Are they going to be durable? Because how many times have we seen it? A guy gets that magic number, 360 touches, and the following year he ends up injured or he's nowhere near as efficient as he once was. Now, I'm still drafting Christian McCaffrey first overall. I'm still drafting Derrick Henry in the first round. But I want to ask this, Kyle. Do you think Tennessee ran him into the ground knowing he's going to be a free agent? He's going to ask. He's asking right now for six years, $90 million. Is Tennessee going to say no to him and then take a running back in the first they round? They better say no to that. Uh, that better say no to that. Yeah, if I'm an NFL GM and a running back who is, what's he, 26, 27 years old now and has the amount of touches that Derrick Henry has, uh, in no way am I paying that. That is ridiculous. Right. And I think Tennessee is a very smart organization. I think Derrick Henry is not on the Titans next year. I think they draft Swift in the first round because they don't have holes anywhere else. Did anybody learn from the Ezekiel Elliott contract? Did people not realize like that running backs can fall off like Zeke? I mean, you've got Tony Pollard sitting there on the bench, and he might be as good as Zeke. Zeke did not look very good this year, I'm just going to say. And I've, I've, been a, I've been a Zeke backer for a long time. Jerry Jones is kicking himself right now. Oh, he is because now he's got to decide between Amari Cooper and Dak, and he can't let Dak go. So I think it's possible that Amari Cooper might not be in a Cowboys. I mean, well, maybe he can let Dak go and just sign Tom Brady. I mean, Dak wants $40 million a year. Tom Brady wants $30 million a year. You're telling me if you could save $10 million and upgrade from Dak Prescott to Tom Brady, you want to do it? Maybe Dak walks too. That's not an upgrade. Dak is better than Tom Brady right now. But Right now. Here's yes. my question. Here's my question. Well, hold on a second. You put Tom Brady with those wide receivers 
You you don't think he was as good as Dak this year? Dak's better right now than Tom Brady. Would I have? I, I'd take Tom in the fourth quarter, like down one score. At Mike Taglier NFL, if you Patriots fans are listening, at Mike Taglier NFL, you let him know what you think. <laughs> this is not a slight against Tom Brady's career. It's a slight against Tom Brady right now. Well, sure. I mean, he was playing with an elbow injury at 43 years old. Yes, he's not better than Dak Prescott right now. And Dak is really good. Sure, that's you're right. You're right. So, but here, but here's the thing. I want to ask you guys a question. This is non fantasy, but I think people listening, because I know I'm, I'm, I've been questioning it myself. At what point does an organization stand up and say, with the salary cap, we cannot afford to pay a quarterback this much money because. Dak Prescott can hold them hostage because you cannot let a franchise quarterback walk. You can't. You, you just can't do it in the NFL today because if you're without one, you're not going anywhere. But at what point do you say enough is enough? He he said he wants to make forty million dollars a year. If that's enough. That, that's enough to let a quarterback walk in my mind. That's what I'm saying. What at what point do you get where you just say you know what you're you're gonna have to go elsewhere because we're not gonna pay you it. Well, I think I think Washington of all franchises, Washington is probably the like example to look at with Kirk Cousins and what they did a few years ago with the franchise tag, right? Where they said, okay, we don't believe that your, your play and what you're asking for is worth it. And so we're just going to franchise tag you and we'll kind of push this cart down the road and then we'll get to that when it comes. And they didn't, they just said, okay, you know, it, it doesn't match up. It doesn't work for us to put us in that sort of salary cap bind and we're going to look to the draft. And so I think what you're saying, Tags, I get it. I get it. These numbers, yes, the salary cap is growing consistently year after year. And so that's part of it. Now where we were looking at Derek Carr's contract a few years ago, right, where he was the highest paid quarterback or the highest paid player in NFL history. Now he's like a very reasonable contract for, you know, for a quarterback. But yeah, at what point do you say? And I think 40 million might be too much. I think it's way too much, guys. Yeah, you're right. They do have the franchise option, and we'll see if Dak holds out uh, with that franchise option. Now, let's keep moving on. Uh, news broke that the Jaguars are going to play back-to-back home games in London in 2020. So, I think this just goes, Bobby... Jacksonville's moving to London. Yeah, so, Bobby, this I think this is just a, a something at Bobby where teams just don't want to be associated. He had the St. Louis Rams, and they left him. <laughs> I mean, it's not like I live in Jacksonville, though. Like, the reason I hate the Rams is because they trashed St. Louis as they were leaving, and there was no need for that whatsoever. <laughs> but Bobby picked the Jaguars as his new team. He kind of just like, I'm developing a fandom for the Jags, and now they're going to leave him. That's fine. We're getting an expansion team in St. Louis in a couple years, baby. St. Louis Dally, and let's go. <laughs> You know, we we almost did get the St. Louis Stallions. I think instead of uh, instead of Tennessee when they were an expansion. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, okay, so Kyle, it's to you now, and I believe we're at number eight or nine. I've lost track. We're just gonna get through as many points as we can. So I said twenty-two. Might have been a lie. I don't know, guys. Yeah, we'll see what we can get to. <laughs> uh, so so tags brought up the point of how quickly things can change in the NFL. And it makes you appreciate the players who have done it consistently year after year. So guys like Larry Fitzgerald, who is now returning for yet another season, right? Uh, another one would be Drew Brees. Drew Brees finished with a 74.3% completion percentage in his 11 games played in 2019. He completed 281 passes on 378 attempts and finished with the second highest single season completion percentage of all time, 0.1% off of the record set last year by... Drew Brees. He's amazing. And his yards per attempt are still at 7.9 as well. I just don't understand how he can keep being this good. I mean, it helps certainly to have Michael Thomas, but like even without Michael Thomas, how good would he still be? I wanted to bring it up because I wanted to just point out like the fact that we might have watched Drew Brees' final game in the NFL. Like that would suck, by the way. Oh, that would be so terrible. I would not be shocked to see him retire and 
Teddy Bridgewater or Taysom Hill. They're both free agents. Did you know that? Like all three of them, all three of them are free agents right now. Yeah. So for Drew Brees to retire and for the Saints to move on, uh, because I do think that Drew Brees' like arm talent is declining. And I think he's realizing that he's towards the end. And so it's just a matter of, okay, do I want to try to keep playing for another year? That's a conversation that they're having, I'm sure, currently. But I just wanted to point it out because we have to appreciate what Drew Brees is doing on the field and the fact that we might have seen his last game. You know, it's really interesting. You look back at his early career with San Diego, and a lot of people forget that he even started for for the Chargers for four years, and he was just mediocre. Like, he was one of these quarterbacks like, you know, Derek Carr. Like, could Josh Rosen be somebody that is going under the radar? No one's really thinking about him. He's still got all this talent. He's really young, and he gets in the right place, like a Sean Payton system, and just dominates. Uh, I think the Dolphins are sticking with him and Fitzpatrick for another year. Yeah. I mean, because like if I would have asked you that about Drew Brees in 2005, Drew Brees is a free agent. He's leaving San Diego. Could Drew Brees be an all time great quarterback? Like you would have laughed at me, right? I don't want to say laughed at you because Brees like he obviously I I think everybody knew that Brees had potential. Not not to the point where he got not an all time great. But Rosen, from what from what we have on Rosen so far, I'm the one to say that he's been put in two bad situations, like extremely bad situations. But his numbers are like historically bad. Like Ryan Fitzpatrick did pretty well in that same situation. So I don't want to sit here and say that Josh Rosen is going to be the savior for any team. But I I do want to say this to Drew Brees. Only one quarterback, one quarterback in NFL history to throw for 5,000 yards more than once. It's Drew Brees. He's done it five times. (laughs) I saw that stat, man. That was incredible. And he's been really close a lot of other times as well. The guy's just amazing. Like, should we actually be talking about him? as potentially the GOAT along with Tom Brady? He's one of them. He's one of them for sure. And he's been underappreciated for a long time. Where would you rank him with Tom Brady and Peyton Manning for the best quarterbacks of all time, Kyle? I think I think it's Brady, and then I think it's Manning, and then I think it's Breeze. But, man, those are pretty close. I think I'm going Manning number one. And I do have Breeze number three, and the main reason why is you look at his career log in outdoor games, and he's been about this. I, I, I hate to say this. He's been about the same as Andy Dalton. And I'm not saying he's Andy Dalton because obviously Andy Dalton has uh, some home games mixed in there. And I'm not talking about any home games for Drew Brees. But what I'm trying to say is I think the Dome has propped him up quite a bit to be in that conversation. Is he a top 10 quarterback of all time? Absolutely. No doubt about it. But I wouldn't quite put him in the conversation with Peyton and then Tom Brady. And I actually have Dan Marino as my number one all time for what it's worth. But let's keep moving on. And actually, I'm going to use this as a segue for my first fact and takeaway. I think that Ryan Tannehill can be this guy. I'm not saying that he's likely or even that it's like a 10% chance that he'll be a Hall of Famer. But when I watched Ryan Tannehill this year, he's an elite quarterback. I actually think he is an elite quarterback. He belongs in the discussion with the Russell Wilsons, the Deshaun Watsons, the Patrick Mahomes. I'm not saying he's the number one of those guys. I'm saying he's in that tier of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL already. He was so Good. I could not believe what I was seeing every single week when I watched him. Who is this guy? It's happening, guys. Ryan Tannehill is elite. Tags, do you disagree? I mean, your buddy Chris Harris is going to hate you, by the way. That's fine. (laughs) I'll fight him all day. I don't want to say that he's... I I definitely... I'm not going to say that he belongs in that tier because it's a a small sample size that we're working with. But from what we did see, it was was extremely impressive. Um, He had the fourth highest quarterback rating of all time. He had 9.6 yards per attempt. The second best in football was 8.6. I mean, like, he was so much better than number two that the gap between number one and number two was bigger than the gap between number two 
And number 13, Lamar Jackson. The one thing I will say, though, Bobby, is that we have to be aware of the small sample size, right? Because Tannehill was, he was, I thought he was a little bit. Un- 10 starts is not that small. It, it was with Adam Gase and like a, a crap team in Miami. I don't want to take too much away from that because we see everybody shine when they get away from Adam Gase. Um, I'm curious to see what happens to Sam's Darnold's career in a couple of years when they let go of Gase. He's the worst. <laughs> Uh, but Tannehill, I thought he was uh, an, a slightly above average quarterback because he brought some mobility. I, I thought the Titans signing him that he could have competed with Mariota and people wanted to put me down for that saying, oh, Mariota is so much better. I'm like, dude, Titans fans hate us. I remember that. Yeah. But here's one thing I'll tell you, Bobby. Don't forget Nick Foles in 2013 that he's one of the three quarterbacks that had a higher quarterback rating than Ryan Tannehill. That year, Nick Foles looked like he was unstoppable. 27 touchdowns, two interceptions, had a really good year. And then he went to a different offense and, you know, things happen. That's a great point, man. But that was that's the thing. The reason I, I don't think Tannehill's is really a fluke, though, is because I don't think anybody could have just walked into that situation in Tennessee and done and did what he did. That's why I think Tannehill, I'm not saying he's Nick Foles. I think he's more talented than that. I don't think he, I'm, I'm not going to say he's elite, but I am going to say that he deserves a contract. And uh, I'm, I'm interested to see what the Titans do here, because on that small sample size, how much can he get? Like, what's the negotiating tactic that he can use, what the Titans are going to use? There's a lot that goes into that. There are so many free agent quarterbacks. Like, what if they choose Derrick Henry over Ryan Tannehill? That would be a mistake, in my opinion. Now, <laughs> that would be a big mistake, in my opinion. But if he wants six years, 90 million, he's never going to play football again. Yeah. So, so Kyle, OK, what do you think? Tom Brady was just this game manager, efficient quarterback. And then all of a sudden he went from 3,529 yards, 24 touchdowns to 4,800 yards, 50 touchdowns because they let him air it out. Russell Wilson was this game manager, efficient quarterback. And obviously, Tannehill doesn't have the rushing ability of Russell Wilson, but he went from a game manager to all of a sudden they let him air it out. And he was a freaking stud. 34 touchdowns led the league. Can Ryan Tannehill be this guy if Tennessee lets him throw the ball 550 times next year? Well, I don't think that's who Tennessee wants to be, though. Even if they do let Derrick Henry walk, I think they're going to be either looking to sign a free agent. So, like, what about Jordan Howard? Do they let Derrick Henry go or and then sign someone like Jordan Howard for a much cheaper contract? Or do they look to the draft? It's a very deep running back class. And so do they look at, uh, you know, a, a Jonathan Taylor? I think he would be a perfect fit, you know, just step right in. A lot cheaper. Uh, and <laughs> a lot cheaper. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I think... With Tannehill, that's that's part of the conversation is just what's it going to be next year. But yeah, I, I do like Tannehill as a player. I really do. And I think he, he was put in a terrible situation in Miami. Again, I said it, Adam Gase is the worst. And so <laughs> now looking at for next year, you need that running back though. You need that consistent carry to take the load off. And there were several games where what, Tannehill was throwing for like, what, 14 attempts a game? You know, it was like, it was really minimal because they just wanted to consistently run and run and run the ball. Part of it was because he was so efficient too. Like when you're completing, like when you're averaging over 10 yards per attempt, it's like you don't need to throw as many passes, right? Right. Sure. It'll be, he'll be an interesting one to watch for sure. I can't wait to see what Tennessee does this off season because I, they're just a very fascinating team to me. Guys, let's. Uh, let's keep moving and tags. It is back to you now. All right. So this one's just an interesting stat that I wanted to share. Uh, it's not. Any, I don't think there's any primary takeaways from it, but it's so interesting because I think people like are like shocked when they hear it. Michael Thomas may have finished as the top fantasy wide receiver by a massive 67 points in half PPR leagues, but he had just one of the top 40 single game performances in 2019. It's like Devontae Adams in 28. Well, Devontae Adams, he was the number one, I believe, but 
He was so consistent every single game. And you know what? He didn't have a game with like less than 16 PPR points. He was again in 2019 when he was on the field. Adams was so consistent. Yeah. So Michael Thomas was like the, it was kind of like Travis Kelsey this year too. Kelsey didn't have any of the top 20 uh, single game performances among tight ends this year. Uh, he didn't obviously in the playoffs he did, but they were both just the model of consistency. Like these guys are just going to week in, week out, or they're going to be there. So some people might say, I want guys with a, with a bigger ceiling, but I mean, I don't think anybody would complain about Michael Thomas or Travis Kelsey's production this year. Kyle, how high are you taking Michael Thomas? Is he your number three player on the board? Yep. Yeah. So I have Christian McCaffrey and then I have Saquon Barkley and then Michael Thomas right there. Me too. Okay. So who do you have it for? Are you going Zeke or Dalvin Cook? Uh, Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook. Okay. I've got Zeke there and then and then Dalvin Cook. So we finally have one different. But what about you, Tags? I think we've talked about this before. How high do you have Thomas? You like got him out of the first round, don't you? 12 running backs. <laughs> I have him at number six overall. Uh, I would take McCaffrey, Barkley, Kamara, Elliott, and Dalvin Cook over them. Uh, just because, again, when you get the reason I, I say that, it's not because I think Michael Thomas isn't a better like value than them, but it all comes down to what running back you could potentially get or not get at the end of the second round. Guys like Josh Jacobs are going to be gone. Guys like Chubb are going to be gone. Fournette's going to be gone. You're going to be staring at maybe like a Todd Gurley or a Le'Veon Bell as your RB1 if you take a receiver there. So that's that's the part that concerns me. I'd be fine with Raheem Mostert as my RB1. No. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love Raheem Mostert, but no, I agree. <laughs> you're killing me. But yeah, that's that's where I'm at. I'm going to look at Teddy Bridgewater's game log, right? Because yeah, he was the starter in week two until week seven. I just want to see how good was Michael Thomas in week two to week seven. So we'll come back to that. Kyle, why don't you give us your next takeaway? Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned Le'Veon Bell. So one of my takeaways is Le'Veon Bell finished with the worst yards per attempt of any running back with over 160 attempts. He finished with an abysmal 3.2 yards per attempt on 245 carries. Adam Gase. <laughs> yep. And the only player to finish worse than Bell was Peyton Barber with a 3.1 yards per attempt on 154 carries. Why did they keep giving Peyton Barber the ball? Like, I don't know, first of all, why that's my takeaway, but it just makes me so mad. Anytime I hear Peyton Barber's name, I'm just like, come on, dude, Bruce Arians, what are you doing? Yeah. Here's a fun fact, by the way. It actually has both Le'Veon Bell and Peyton Barber in it. Despite finishing with 245 carries, which was the 11th most in the NFL, Le'Veon Bell broke just two runs of 15-plus yards. Here's a few running backs who had more than him. Peyton Barber, Patrick Lair, <laughs> Mike Boone, Malcolm Brown, Justin Jackson, Jonathan Williams, Jordan Wilkins, and Bo Scarborough. All those guys had more runs of 15-plus yards than Le'Veon Bell. Wow, man. That's not good. That's ridiculous. <laughs> that is not good. By the way, I got the stat for you guys on Michael Thomas. He had 18 half PPR fantasy points per game when Teddy Bridgewater was the quarterback, just above 19 when Drew Brees was the quarterback. So obviously those 18 per game would have put him well ahead of the number two fantasy receiver, Chris Godwin. He's still great if he's got Teddy Bridgewater, guys. <laughs> All right, Tags, on to you for the next one. And we're going to start moving a little bit faster so we can get through some more of these. Maybe we'll do a lightning round at the end as well. Yeah, uh, there have been just five quarterbacks who have thrown at least 400 pass attempts while throwing less than five interceptions. Just five of them in NFL history. Aaron Rodgers has done that in each of the last two seasons. This could be taken as a good or a bad thing uh, because Aaron Rodgers has all of a sudden developed some sort of phobia about throwing into tight coverage, even though 
I think he's the most talented quarterback to ever play the position, but that doesn't, he may not be the best of all time because of his unwillingness to put the ball in spots where it's going to affect his stats negatively. It's really hurt him the last two years, this year specifically. And I mean, the Packers need to, to address this and get a field stretcher opposite Devontae Adams because it will open things up. Uh, but it's still, it's, it's, it's quite an accomplishment. Do you remember last year, even last year, I was saying Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback I've ever seen. In terms of talent, he is. In terms of what he does for his team, he's not. I'm coming off of that. I don't believe that anymore, okay? First of all, Tom Brady took $10 million less per season than Aaron Rodgers throughout his career. That's that's a Pro Bowl defensive player that they can sign with that, right? Would you rather have Tom Brady's talent and a Pro Bowl defensive player or Aaron Rodgers? Tom Brady's helped his team a lot more. He's had the more accomplished career. But Aaron Rodgers, we're talking about these interceptions, right? Okay, sure. He's got uh, 12 interceptions in the last three years. Let's talk about turnovers, okay? Fumbles, obviously, he's getting more fumbles because he takes so many sacks. But with those sacks, what happens after a sack? You get a sack on second and long, or you get a sack on second and 10. You're not getting the third down. And then what happens? You punt it. That's a turnover. All of these sacks are forcing turnovers. So you can say, okay, Aaron Rodgers only has 12 interceptions. How many times has he caused his team to lose the ball because he's holding on to it and not making taking any risk? Also part of that with Aaron Rodgers, don't forget that he, I think he led the league last year in throwaways. He has the last two years and it hasn't even been close. Yeah. that's Yeah, that's a good point as well. Aaron Rodgers is so frustrating because I stuck up for him for so long. He's, he's just not Tom Brady, okay? I, I, I give up. All you Patriots fans are happy he's not Tom Brady. <laughs> I, I'm still saying that. I'm still going to say that Aaron Rodgers is the most talented quarterback I've ever seen. It's just... I'll agree with that. Won't fight you on that. It's just, um yeah, different. Well, Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow. <laughs> All right. Uh, Carlos Hyde finished 12th in total regular season rushing attempts. And he finished with 245 carries and averaged 4.4 yards per attempt. His touchdowns were l- lower. I think he finished with six. And so that's why we're not talking about Carlos Hyde a ton. But for him to finish 12th in total regular season rushing attempts, that's pretty impressive. And it speaks to next year if they bring in a running back or if they keep if they stick mm-hmm. with Carlos Hyde. What about Lamar Miller, though? They're both free agents, Hyde and Miller. So uh, Houston might be someone that can go out and get a J.K. Dobbins. With the Texans, they don't have their first round pick. With the Tunsil trade, they don't have a ton of draft picks. No, they don't. So that's something to keep in mind. Bill O'Brien went all in this year. So maybe Derrick Henry becomes a free agent and goes to Houston. Maybe Melvin Gordon goes to Houston. I mean, they don't target their running backs. That's a stat on Hyde. He ran 211 routes in uh, 2019. They led to 42 yards. Oh, gross. <laughs> yes, it's disgusting. You know what would be great is if Duke Johnson just finally became that three down back we all know he can be. It's never happening, but I still want to dream. No one's ever doing it. There's a reason they're not doing it. We don't know why, but there's a reason. I'm still dreaming about Christine Michael coming back and being a workhorse, dude. (laughs) XFL great. (laughs) Is he playing in the XFL? I think he is. Actually, you know what? He's on my St. Louis Battlehawks. Yeah, baby. Oh, boy. All right. Uh, I posted this one on Twitter yesterday. Uh, A.J. Brown averaged 8.8 yards after the catch in 2019. That led the league. Dang it, Tags. This was I was taking this one. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> According to NFL's next-gen stats, he would have averaged just four yards after the catch based on where he caught the ball and who was around him. That 4.9-yard difference was easily the most in the NFL as no other receiver had a difference of more than 2.6 yards there's going to be massive regression in terms of his yards after the catch. Now he's going to grow in terms of his targets. Nope, no, 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 there's not. I will fight you on this one because he breaks every tackle, baby. 
there's a lot of guys that break tackles, but not at this, not at this rate. Like that's just unstable. That's unsustainable. This is like the 9% touchdown rate. He could still be very good at yards after the catch, but not 8.8 yards after the catch. Well, what were we saying two years ago about Alvin Kamara? This is unsustainable. Nobody can do this. And then Alvin Kamara does, right? I mean, maybe he is just a cheat code. When I watch AJ Brown, I think I've never seen a wide receiver like this. I'm not saying he's the best wide receiver ever. I'm saying there's no one in the history of the NFL who's this mold of wide receiver. It reminds me of Anquan Bolden quite a bit. Anquan Bolden could not break tackles like this. He's Anquan Bolden. Yeah, what? Andy's stupid shifty. I think that you need to go back in time and watch Anquan Bolden play football. Not like this. Not like this. Kyle, you're the tiebreaker. I'll go with not like this. Yeah, baby. Take it. Take that, Tags. You lost, Kyle. You, I'm going to ask Yates on the podcast. I was waiting to do this. What was the first thing I sent you when you accepted the position? Uh, it said you always have to agree with me over Bobby. I said don't ever agree <laughs> with Bobby over me. That's that's rule number one. You've already broken it. This has gotten off to a horrible start. Well, this is, you no, know, Tags, this is payback because Dan Harris was my best friend first. We did the <laughs> Fantasy Bros baseball podcast together all the time, and then you invited him on the Fantasy Bros football podcast, and you stole him. So Kyle's mine. Kyle's my best friend, and we are going to dominate you two. <laughs> well, good luck expecting no regression off your 8.8 yards after the catch. Okay, there's going to be some regression on that, but he's a, he's still going to lead the league because he's that freaking good. Is this the Ryan Tannehill effect, or is this the A.J. Brown is impacting Ryan Tannehill that much? What do you think, Kyle? That's what I was going to bring up when we were talking about Ryan Tannehill was, okay, who made who, right? Where We're talking about Tannehill's uh, yards per attempt. Okay, well, A.J. Brown broke 8.8 .8 yards after the catch, you know, like uh, average that. So, well, and they're stacking the box against Derrick Henry, right? Like that certainly helps. There's a lot. But, you know, I, I mentioned that I was going to bring this one up next. Tagging on to that is additionally he had five games of 100 or more receiving yards in the regular season. Like A.J. Brown is really good. I agree with tags that 8.8 .8 yards after the catch, that's not sustainable. I'm not projecting that for next year. But he is still an extremely good wide receiver. However, if people are buying A.J. Brown in Dynasty at an insane rate, and I do not agree with that, like three first-round picks. What draft pick in the first round are you giving up for A.J. Brown? I would give up the 1-1 one, one for A.J. Brown. No. Well, people are buying him for like two first-round picks right now. Like he's costing people two first-round picks to get him. Okay, so would you, Tags, would you trade... 1-5 and 1-7 for A.J. Brown or 1-1 one, one for A.J. Brown? Uh, the 1-5 and 1-7 I would do instead of the 1-1. One, one. But it, it also depends, though. If I can get Jerry Judy at 105, I'll take Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy over A.J. Brown? I mean, I don't know if I, I don't know if I would take him over Brown because we've obviously seen Brown uh, perform in the NFL already, but... Oh, tags. We are going to throw down, dude. I'm coming up to Chicago, and I will actually wrestle you over this. People told me that I was crazy to like Calvin Ridley, too. It's fine. Jerry Judy's going to be a stud. Calvin Ridley's going to be great next year. Jerry Judy is going to be a stud. Yes. He is. He's better than C.D. Lamb. Like, all these people are saying, C.D. Lamb's past him. Give me a freaking break, man. Jerry Judy's amazing. If you wanted to take Judy with a 101 pick, I would have no problem with it. Same here. Yeah, we'll see where he lands. The landing spot matters for everybody. It really does. But in terms of like pure talent, what he can do and like how long he's going to be in the NFL, Judy's going to be legit. When the Titans finally let A.J. Brown loose, number four fantasy receiver over the final eight weeks, he was better than Devontae Adams, guys. Yeah, I don't doubt that. Calvin Ridley, that's like one of my bold predictions that I put in the article uh, earlier this uh, at the postseason uh, that that Calvin Ridley pulls a Chris Godwin and kind of becomes the 1A, 1B, him and Julio. Surpasses Julio. And Julio's your guy. So for you to say this, man. Julio is my dude. He's getting older. Why don't you just become a Falcons fan already? 
I mean, I, I am a Falcons fan. I'm, I'm a fan of every NFL team, but, but according to everybody on Twitter, I hate their favorite team. So <laughs> I have that going for me. All right, guys, who's next? Kyle, I think it's your turn since Tags just stole yours. Yeah, yeah. So I had <laughs> Derrick Henry had a slightly better yards per attempt than Mark Ingram, despite seeing 101 more carries. Henry finished with a 5.1 yards per attempt on 303 carries, while Ingram finished with 5.0 yards per attempt on 202 carries. Derrick Henry was insanely efficient this year. Mm-hmm. He was, and there's no denying. Like, down the stretch. It'd be nice if he could, like, catch the ball. That's a bit overblown. It's kind of like pass protection for running backs, where I think Derrick Henry can be used more in the screen game. Is he going to drop a few here and there? Yes, but you kind of have to live with the price. Like, you understand the it's like a risk-reward thing. It's definitely worth it to get the ball in the open field with him, because good luck. Like, when he's full steam ahead cornerbacks cannot tackle him <laughs> oh yeah i just loved i love seeing like derrick henry's stat lines of like 20 rushing attempts for 100 yards two touchdowns one reception for 70 yards and a touchdown right like that was that was kind of the average because he would just take a screen you know every other game and would just take it to the house all right guys here's how we're going to finish the show okay we're going to go lightning round i want you each to pick three more facts and takeaways okay tags you're going to go first with three and no analysis kyle you're going to go next with three I'm going to pick one of them that we're going to talk about to end the show. Tags, what do you have? All right. Uh, first one, even if Christian McCaffrey stopped playing football in week 12, he would have been the top fantasy running back by 22.1 <laughs> PPR points. Wow. Uh, among wide receivers who have seen at least 30 targets, Mecole Hardman's 13.1 yards per target ranks as the third highest mark among wide receivers over the last 10 years. A.J. Brown wasn't far behind as his 12.5 yards per target was the sixth highest mark. And a much bigger sample size. Whoa, okay. Yes, this rookie wide receiver class was ridiculous. And then the last one, it's it's tough. It's like, these, these are my kids. <laughs> Another thing, short memory, guys. In standard formats, Christian McCaffrey's 22.2 points per game in 2019 would have actually ranked behind Todd Gurley's 22.4 points per game in 2018. Oh, man. Yep. People forget how, how good Todd Gurley and David Johnson was. That was last year. Yep. All right, Kyle, it's to you for three now. All right, well, I don't have three, so I dropped the ball. That No, 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 no. That's because Tags stole yours. It's Tags' fault. So, Tags, you have to come up with an extra one. Got it. There we go. We'll lean on that. Okay, so Michael <laughs> Thomas broke the single-season reception record, but he was still 239 yards away from breaking the single-season yardage record. The single-season yardage record is held by Calvin Johnson in 2012, where he saw 204 targets, but only hauled in 122 of them and averaged 16.1 yards per reception. However, he only saw five touchdowns. Uh, James White led all running backs with 20 red zone targets. No other running back had more than 15. In fact, there were just six wide receivers and no tight ends with more red zone targets than James White. That's a good one. You actually brought it up before. Christian McCaffrey had over 400 touches. Christian McCaffrey's 403 touches ranks third among running backs over the last 10 years. The running backs ahead of him were DeMarco Murray in 2014, Le'Veon Bell in 2017. The following season, Murray finished as the RB17, while Bell sat the season out all right guys i think that if i give one more we will get to 22 which is what i said at the start of the episode <laughs> um so here's my stat Devonte parker and preston williams were virtually the same person before preston williams got hurt and then preston williams uh after after preston williams was hurt Devonte parker became the number two fantasy wide receiver so what i'm saying is 
How good is Preston Williams, Tags? He's good. Uh, he's uh, I, The question is, will he be ready for the start of the season? Because the injury did take place uh, in the latter part of the year, and that could impact his time in camp. And uh, Devontae Parker and Ryan Tannehill have, have developed a relationship. And the Dolphins have already said they're going to bring Fitzpatrick back like he's not getting cut. You remember when Xavier Howard was saying Preston Williams is a bona fide number one wide receiver. Kyle, is this the guy that you want to go out and get? in dynasty leagues this season like could you trade a late second round pick and get Preston Williams and if you could would you yeah I think so I think people are forgetting about Preston Williams at this point because he's people have short-term memories and when playing dynasty specifically and so looking at Preston Williams uh, people are going to forget what he was doing and what he did and there was a lot of talk about him uh, coming into the NFL draft last year however there were off the field issues and he didn't run well at his pro day and so those were issues that kind of just knocked him down draft boards and out of people's minds. But he's an extremely talented wide receiver. So, yeah, if I can go and acquire him for a late second, early third, I'm considering it. All right, guys, that's all for today's show. Tags, what was your favorite one, man? What was your favorite thing we talked about? Honestly, it's like my kids, man. I, I can't pick a favorite one. Like stats <laughs> are, are all my babies, dude. I put 175 of these things together and uh, like comb through it. And I'm going to come up with more. And I think as we get closer to the start of the 2020 season, I'm going to re-release something that uh, with stats added on to this um, because like I continually find stuff that I'm like, man, I wish I could have put this in there, but it's already out. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll do an amended version. So of, of more stats that I absolutely love. You have a number one takeaway, Kyle. What was your favorite part of the episode? Yeah, for me, it's the, it's the Drew Brees one, I, just because I, he's so good, and he's been so good for so long, and he's one of those players where when I'm scouting quarterbacks who are coming into the NFL, I'm looking at, I'm watching Drew Brees tape first because I want to figure out his mechanics. Like he's the, he's the one who I'm looking for when I'm scouting every other incoming quarterback on their mechanics because it's just flawless every single time. And so for Drew Brees, uh, for what he's done for so long. This was a fun show, Kyle. Again, I just want to say I'm so excited to have you on. And guys, Kyle's a great analytical mind, but he's also just a really good dude. You guys are really going to enjoy having him uh, just as much as Tags and I are going to enjoy having him. Give him a follow on Twitter at KyleYNFL. He's also on Instagram along with Tags and I. Uh, Tags and I's handles, by the way, at BobbyFantasyPro, at MikeTagliarNFL. Same on Instagram. And Kyle's is the same on Instagram as well. KyleYNFL. Go ahead and give him a follow, guys. All right, guys, and I want to thank the sponsors of today's show, Grammarly. If you go to Grammarly.com slash Fantasy Pros, you're going to get 20% off a Grammarly premium account today. And also Pristine Auction, enter that registration code Fantasy Pros, all one word, for $5 off at P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E auction.com. Uh, for Kyle Yates and Mike Tagliere, I'm Bobby Sylvester. Thanks for listening and enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve.